Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. Great. 
It's all you've got to lean on, but thank God that's all you need. And all the people said amen. 
Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. If you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter. Weak or strong, you know, love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and fall. And God so loved the world, he sent his son to save us all. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed are the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed are the people hungry for another start. For theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Sing with us. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. One more time. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. And all the people said amen. Amen. And all the people said amen. <laughs> all right. Y'all can uh, stand now. We're going to do a song that we've done before that you should know. Um, this song is uh, based, on, uh, uh, based on an invitation song that we all know, Just As I Am. And uh, David Crowder wrote this song. It's called Come As You Are. Uh, Just As I Am is from the perspective of the sinner in the pew. Uh, giving up their old life, making a profession of faith, coming to the altar, accepting Christ in their life for the first time. So what Crowder did is he flipped a perspective on that. This is that same uh, salvation experience uh, from the perspective of God. And just so you know, it says, um, So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face, wander or come home, you're not too far, lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken-hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burden. Lay down your shame And all who are broken Lift up your face Oh wanderer come home You're not too far So lay down your hurt 
come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who have strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, a rest that endures. And earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken, lift up your face. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart, come as you are, come as you are, fall in his arms, come as you are, there's joy for the morning. Oh, sinner, be still, and earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And lay down your burdens, and lay down your shame, and all who are broken. Lift up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart, come as you are. the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. So bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, oh, my 
soul, worship His holy name, and I sing like never before. Oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and You're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find So bless the Lord, oh my soul His holy name, and I sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. And on that day, when my strength is failing, the end draws near. And my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Forevermore Sing it out here So bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name, and I sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. One more time, and bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, I worship His holy sing like never before oh my soul i worship your holy name yes i will worship your holy name lord i worship your holy
Today you'll be listening to the message preached at Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Well, amen. I'm glad you got to sing, aren't you all? Wow, praise the Lord. Those are the most comfortable pulpit chairs I've ever seen in my life. The old ones they used to have when I was pastor, and they were all kind of straight back and straight up, and you just had to sit there and look at the folks, and that's just really nice. Good to see y'all, and good to meet you. My name's Todd Gray. I work with KBC as Brother Rockney said. Would y'all welcome again Brother Rockney and his family? I know they're just getting settled in here, but did they do a great job? Appreciate your church and appreciate your, your pastor, Brother Brad, mission trip he's on. Y'all are a mission-minded church. You've been doing that for a long time. I'm sure you know and you hear frequently you're helping support 3,700 missionaries around the world as well as six seminaries and mission work all over Kentucky and all over the place. And so thank you for your faithfulness in that area. Go ahead and find Acts 16 in your Bible if you would please. Acts 16. I want to speak to you on the subject of when a man gets saved. Acts chapter 16, when a man gets saved. How many of you all know a man who, as far as you can tell, appears to be a godly man. You know somebody who really tries to walk with the Lord. You know a man who's a godly man. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. Raise them up good and high. Well, most of you appear to know somebody like that. How many of you also know a man who, you're not his judge, and you're not condemning someone's soul to hell by answering this question, but how many of you also know a man who, as far as you can tell, appears to not know the Lord and not, not be walking with God? If you know someone like that, raise your hand. About half of you, at least, maybe, maybe more. I'm glad you know someone who's a, a godly man. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but men have a hard time in America today. If you watch television, you think every man in this country is a moron. If you watch commercials, you think all men do is drink beer, watch football, and take those pills they advertise on television. The teachers used to ask us when we as kids, they'd say if a tree fell in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it, would it still make a noise? Somebody's turned around and said if a man said something and there's nobody there to correct him, would he still be wrong? Now, I don't know if he would be or not, but men have a time and have a challenge in America. Acts 16 is a different story. There are two men in this text who have received the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been gloriously converted by the power of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They've been saved, and they're on a mission trip, like your pastor is on a mission trip this morning, and they're being used of God to bring the gospel to others. There's another man in this text who's not yet saved. He's a Philippian jailer. He's a good man. He's a hard worker, probably loves his family, probably involved in his community, maybe involved in political decisions, maybe just a good hard worker, but he's not yet a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's a certain desperation about his life that comes out in this story. And I want you to see what happens when a man gets saved. If you're able to stand, would you please stand and honor the reading of God's Word? And I'll read Acts 16, beginning at verse 22, and read through verse 34. Before I read, let me set the text in its context. The Apostle Paul, in the early parts of Acts 16, answered the Macedonian call. He knew he was supposed to take the gospel. He just didn't know where he was supposed to take it. He tried two or three different places. The Holy Spirit said no. And finally, a man from Macedonia appeared to him in a dream that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul went and took the gospel. When he got there, a woman named Lydia got saved. Lydia opened her home, and Paul went into her house and preached from her home. Paul Paul was going through the city and cast out uh, the demon from a demon-possessed slave girl who made her uh, money for her master by telling fortunes. She got saved and was no longer involved in that work. When she got saved, her master wanted Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in prison because he could no longer make money off of her witchcraft. Our story picks up with Paul and Silas being beaten and about to be in prison. Acts 16, verse 22. 
It says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Father God, thank you for this glorious conversion testimony right here in the Word of God. Lord, this Philippian jailer, his story's been told time and time and time again. But Lord, his story wouldn't be anything without your great story, your story of redemption through the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Father God, I pray your story will have or would today penetrate every heart that's here. I pray every listener, dear Lord, would embrace the story of Christ, what he has done, his work on our behalf. Pray every person here, dear Lord, would be saved and trusting in Jesus. And the Lord, that you'd use us to reach others with the gospel. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What happens when a man gets saved? Very simply, I hope very clearly, and I hope very quickly, I want to show you three realities. Number one, there is the experience of salvation. Notice verse 30, where the jailer says, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas answered his question just as concisely as he had asked it. They said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's the experience of salvation. I met Will and Maria when they were at Fort Campbell. I pastored a military church for 11 years. First Baptist Church, Oak Grove, over at Fort Campbell in Christian County, bordering Clarksville, Tennessee. Will and Maria had grown up in Montana on small family ranches. We have family farms around here. They have family ranches. They got married at their high school. Joined, uh, Will joined the Army, answered a patriotic duty on his life. Got stationed at Fort Campbell. Hadn't been there very long. Bought a house in Oak Grove for them and their little boy Benjamin. And Will was sent off on a one-year deployment to Korea. About six months into that deployment, Maria, his wife, began to sense a need in her life. She didn't have much church background, but she started attending First Baptist Church, Oak Grove, on Wednesday nights for Bible study. And I'd remember her. She had said about halfway back on the left side, and I was teaching the Bible, and she just leaned forward listening. She'd never heard these things before. And one Wednesday night, I said, Maria, could you and I talk? And, and she said, yes. And so I shared with her God's simple plan of salvation, how she could be saved. And I said, would you like to pray and receive the Lord? She said she would. So she repeated a sinner's prayer, got up, went home. About two hours later, the phone rang at the church parsonage, and it was Maria. And she said, Brother Todd, I just want to tell you, I didn't get saved back there at the pastor's study tonight. But she said, I came home, and I prayed till I got peace with God. She said, I'm saved. And she knew that she had been converted, that she had received the Lord. Well, as soon as she got saved, she was, got involved to church. She was doing everything we were doing. 
She was doing one more thing. She started praying for her husband, Will, who is not yet a Christian. She'd pray for him by name, out loud. On Wednesday night prayer meeting, we'd all join her. We'd pray for Will Minimeyer, out loud, by name. About six months later, he got home from Korea on a Monday night. On Tuesday, he sat in a Ponderosa restaurant, welcomed Jesus Christ into his heart and life as his Savior and Lord. Now, they're both saved. They're both attending church. Everything we're doing, they're doing. They got baptized, joined a church. One Sunday morning, I preached on the subject of tithing. And you never know what's going to happen when you preach on tithing. Some folks love that. Some folks don't care much to hear about it. And so I preached on tithing. I got finished. Will turned to his wife, Maria. He said, Maria, we need to start doing that tithing. She said, Will, we've been tithing for four months. <laughs> they got saved. They had an experience with God. Notice the experience of salvation in this jailer's life. Number one. It is a personal experience. He said, what must I do to be saved? It was a personal experience. He had to make a personal decision, a personal encounter with God. Nobody else could do that for him. A parent can't do it for a child. A, a wife can't do it for a husband. A grandparent can't do it for a grandchild. It's an individual choice, a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a personal salvation. But notice also about this experience, it's a powerful experience. Look back at verse 27 in your Bible of Acts 16 and notice something about this jailer. When the jailer saw the earthquake, that the bands were loose and the doors were open, the Bible says about him, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. Listen, this jailer was at the lowest moment in his life. He was ready to take his own life. He had no reason for living. That tells you something about him. That tells you that his job was his God. His reputation was his idol. And when he saw that he was about to lose everything, all was going to fall apart, there was no reason for him to live one minute longer. He was at the lowest possible point in his life, and this is a powerful experience. He said, what must I do to be saved? To be saved means delivered from the wrath of God, saved from the penalty and the punishment of our sin, delivered, brought into, rescued into a relationship with God. It's a powerful experience. It's a personal experience. There's one more thing. It's a planned experience. Planned by who? Planned by the jailer? No, he had no idea. All he did was lock up two inmates who were beaten nearly half to death and turned over to him. Wasn't planned by him. Planned by Paul and Silas? No, all Paul and, Sil all Paul and Silas did was go preach the gospel. They didn't plan on ending up in jail as a result of preaching the gospel. Planned by who? Planned by a merciful and loving God who loved this jailer enough to let two of his choice servants go to prison so this jailer could hear the story of the death, burial, and resurrection resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a powerful experience, is it not? Could I ask you a question this morning? I don't know you and you don't know me. Uh, Brother Rockney told you something about me, where I work, and I've got a wife and two daughters. My girls are 22 and 19. If you, I'm looking for husbands for them, and I'll take applications if anybody here is interested <laughs> in that. We live in Louisville. I drove three hours to come have church with you this morning, and, and glad to do it. Love preaching. Love Kentucky Baptist churches. Uh, grew up again in Lyon County over in Edible. Y'all know what's in Edible? The Kentucky State Penitentiary is there. Uh, I've spent some time in the penitentiary, but they let me out when the tour was over, and I'm glad they, glad they did. But I don't know you, and you don't know me. But let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Are you saved? And I'm not asking if you're a cultural Christian that checks off the Christian box when you go into the hospital or, or when you take some kind of a, a census. I'm not asking if you go to church on Sunday morning. If you're saved, you ought to be in church on Sunday morning if you can be. I'm asking if you've been converted. Was there a moment in history when you came to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ? 
when you recognize that you are desperately lost, whether you're a seven-year-old boy or girl, or whether you're 39-year-old or 80 years old, or wherever you were, whatever age you were, has there been a time in your life when you've personally received the Lord Jesus Christ? And if there is, you've had the experience of salvation. But before you answer the question for sure, let me give you a second part of this man's story. Not only is there the experience of salvation, but there's also evidence of salvation. Listen to verse 31, and notice some things in this verse that happened after he got saved. It says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Verse 32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Not only is there an experience of salvation, but there's also the evidence of salvation. My youngest daughter, Anna, when she was about 13, we lived over in Hopkinsville, and, and she had a little friend named Megan, and Megan had a little boyfriend, and they were dating. And so the family wanted to meet this little boy and have him over to the house for dinner. And so they got the house ready, the dinner was ready, the family was all ready, and they made transportation arrangements from his house to their house. And before he got there, Megan's mother had a conversation with her about the differences between boys and girls and what can happen in a dating relationship. Well, the conversation so freaked out little Megan that when that boy got there, she broke up with him at the front door. I mean, it was over, all done. Mama, I don't know what she said to Megan, but whatever she said, there was evidence that Megan took it to heart and acted upon it. Well, when this jailer got saved, he didn't just raise his hand in a church service somewhere. He didn't just walk an aisle and make a, de a declaration that brought no change in his life. There was evidence that he had a personal encounter with God. In fact, a life-changing encounter. Notice the evidence of salvation. Five things happened when he got saved. Number one, there is submission to God's word. Verse 32, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord. Now listen, before a man gets saved, he might argue with the Bible. He might say, well, I don't believe all that. You know, that was written 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. That was for that day. It's not for our day. But when a man gets saved, he submits to the word of God, and there's submission to God's word. Here's the second evidence, the evidence of ministry. Look at verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. This jailer, any of y'all involved in law enforcement, anybody here, police officers or in, in any kind of criminal justice work at all, anyone? I don't see any hands up, but uh, if you are, I appreciate you. I appreciate police officers. I think police officers have a very difficult time in our day. I pray for police officers when I see them on the road and try to obey the, the laws and as, we, as we should as, as followers of Jesus. And I know a lot of police officers and folks in law enforcement. One thing I know about them is they have a black and white view of life. There's not much gray area it's either right or it's wrong, and there's not much in the middle when it comes to those involved in criminal justice or law enforcement. That's who this jailer was. He had seen everything in the world. He had incarcerated rapists, probably, probably murderers, probably thieves, probably con men of all sorts. He'd heard every story, every lie. He'd be, uh, tried to have the wool pulled over his eyes by various uh, people of all sorts. But look at him now. Here's this jailer, just got saved. And now he's ministering to Paul and Silas. He's caring for these two men. He's got his wash basin out, and he's washing the stripes of the Apostle Paul. He's got his towel, and his, probably his warm water, as warm as he could get it. And he's trying to get that cleaned up, that, that dried on caked up blood off Paul's back. He cares about him. That's what happens when a man gets saved. He wants to serve other people. You see, when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, he changes you. 
And you don't stay the same anymore. And you want to live different. You want to treat people different. And you want to view people different. And lots of our old views die away when we get saved. Hey, listen, a man can go from a racist to someone who loves folks from all races and all ethnicities just by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. God changes us. And there's the evidence of ministry in this man's life. Well, there's also the evidence of baptism. Look at verse 33. Since he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Baptism is the wedding ring of the Christian life. When a man gets married, he's not ashamed to identify as a married man. And so when someone gets saved, they're not ashamed to be identified as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the evidence of baptism. Number four, there's the evidence of giving. It says in verse 34, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. He took some of what was his and gave it to Paul and Silas. He shared what he had. All of that, listen, did he all of a sudden just become a good man overnight? No. The Spirit of God came to live inside of him. And when the Spirit of God comes in, he changes us, and we're not what we used to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God changes us when the Spirit comes to live inside of us. And then there's the evidence of worship. In verse 34, it says, He set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. There's the evidence of salvation. I'm going to say this and I'll move on. If there's been no transformation, there's been no salvation. That's all there is to it. If there hadn't been any change, then you hadn't met the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can carry, be the same old, same old so-and-so you used to be, then Christ has not yet come into your life. You might join a church, may have even got baptized, may have even walked an aisle. But if you've not been changed, if you had not seen some changes, some Spirit of God changes come into your life, then you've not met the Lord Jesus Christ because there's experience of salvation. There's also evidence of salvation. Here's the third thing, and I'm going to close after this one. There's the extension of salvation. Let me read these verses one more time and see if you notice in here what I notice. Look back at verse 31. He asked the question, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his. Straightway. Verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Not only is there an experience, not only is there evidence, but there's also the extension of salvation. I met Maurice at Marion Baptist Church. It's been a couple of years, maybe almost three years now. He's preaching revival over there on Sunday morning through Wednesday night. Maurice was there on Sunday morning. He sat on the right side, about halfway back over here. African-American young man, married to a Caucasian lady, had five little children, stair-stepped, sitting right next to him Sunday morning. They were back on Sunday night. There's Maurice, there's Nicole's wife, there's five little kids. I hadn't met them before, and so I followed them out to their, their van. I thought, I want to meet this family. Went out to their little minivan. They were in the parking lot getting ready to leave, and I walked up to his car window, learned his name was Maurice, learned his wife's name was Nicole. And I said, well, Maurice, uh, what's, what's going on with you? He said, he said, not much, man. He said, I got a good job and, and got, a good, good, got, bat, got saved, got baptized, got a good church, got a good family. His job was he worked at a recycling place where they take rubber tires and turn them into playground mulch. And that's where Maurice worked. And, and I said, uh, well, Maurice, I said, why don't you invite your friends to revival this week? He said, I don't have any friends. He said, when I got saved, all that ended. And I just knew exactly what he meant when he said that, because that was my story as well. And I said, well, Maurice, what's the Lord doing in your life? Now listen to this. He said, the Lord's leading me to teach these five children about Jesus. That's what he said. 
He was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Came in late most nights in the week because he just got off work. Came in dirty because he worked all day. And there's Maurice, there's Nicole, there's five little children sitting next to mom and daddy in revival service. By the end of the week, two of those five children had made professions of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a daddy, isn't it? That's a Christian daddy. That's a Christian daddy who was as lost as he could be. Jesus Christ came into his life. All of a sudden, priorities change. Everything's turned around. What used to matter doesn't matter near as much as it used to. And what didn't matter now became the priority of his life. Maurice said, I got saved, and now I want my family to get saved. I want my children to know the Lord Jesus Christ the same way I do. Look at this jailer. Notice him. He had the experience of salvation. What must I do to be saved? They told him. He acted on it. There's evidence of salvation. When a man gets saved, he gets converted. The Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. We can't be the same after the Spirit of God comes to indwell us. And then there's the experience of salvation. The jailer got saved, and then we see his household heard the same gospel message, and they got saved as well. I used to know a family over in Trigg County. I pastored there, and I won't share their, their names. They'd be glad for me to share their name, but the the patriarch of the family, the older father-grandfather, had grown up pretty rough in, in Trigg County. His father was an alcoholic and pretty much abandoned the family. And as a 9 or 10-year-old boy, this man had to work and, and make money and trap and whatever he could do to help feed his own family, his mother and, and his, his siblings. When he grew up, he wanted a different kind of experience, and he received the Lord Jesus Christ. He got saved. He raised his family the exact same way. All of his children grew up in church. If church doors were open, he was going to be there, and they were going to be there right next to him and his wife and, and with them, and they all, they all got saved. They all started having kids, and their kids started getting saved. I was involved in several funerals with that family, preached some of them, and attended others of them, and they did this thing I'd never seen before and had never seen since. After every funeral, they would stand around the graveside after the guests were gone, and they would hold hands, and they would sing that old Johnny Cash, June Carter song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And they'd stand there, and they'd hold hands, and they'd sing that song. And the reason they were singing it was a testimony to the next generation. They were saying, we've received the Lord Jesus Christ. We know where this one is, and we want you to be there as well. So I just got to ask the men here, this is Father's Day. Praise the Lord that we have a heavenly father, and praise the Lord for fathers who are trying to lead their children. What about in your case? Will the circle be unbroken? Will the circle be unbroken? Daddy, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? Sir, have you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? Are you striving to lead your family in that same direction? I think there's more pulling at men today probably than there ever has been. At least it feels like it more than there ever has been in the history of the human race. Probably every generation says the same thing, but boy, it sure feels that way today. But there's a whole lot trying to pull men away from church, away from their family, into everything else in the world. Have you received Jesus Christ and are you striving to lead your family the same way? Wife, what about you? Ladies, what about you? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you welcomed him into your, into your heart? How about the children who are here this morning? Have you received Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? If you haven't, then my question today is would you receive Jesus this very day right here, 
right now. Let me say something to you very quickly and I'm going to close. Number one is God loves you. The Bible says as much you're made in the image of God. The second part is, and our problem is, our sin separates us from God. And we've all sinned. I've sinned and you've sinned. And our sin separates us from God. Sin like a stain will not be removed by any good deed that we do or church that we join or ritual that we undergo. But paying the price for sin, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place as our substitute was buried and raised again the third day. Today, every person who will repent of their sin, turn from it, and trust in Jesus, the Bible says, will be saved. And life begins, the abundant life that's found in Christ begins the moment that we trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for this service. Thank you for the songs we've heard, the fellowship we've had, the word that's been preached, dear Lord, and now, Father, the response to it. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd move on the hearts of people right now during this invitation time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand together? We're going to have an invitation this morning, and I'm going to ask you during this invitation, I'm going to ask you if you'd do something. I'm going to ask several of you to do several things. Number one, if you're here this morning and you're not saved or you're not sure, would you just come today and say, I, I want to be saved. I want to be like that jailer. What must I do to be saved? I'll tell you the same thing Paul and Silas told that jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him. Put your faith in Him. Turn to Him. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died for your sins. Commit your life to Him. Surrender to Him once and for all. Receive Jesus today. I want you to come during this invitation. I'll stand right down here and talk to you. Maybe others would come and talk to you as well. But I want you to come. But I want others to come as well. If you're saved today and you're not surrendered to Jesus, you know you're saved. You know when it happened. You know there was evidence of conversion that took place in your life. But honestly today, you're just not where you need to be. You're not walking in close fellowship with the Lord. Men, ladies, children, it's just true in your life. And you know you're not where you need to be. God's spoken to you this morning. Listen, God loves you. And Christ wants you to have the abundant life. John 10, 10 speaks of the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. You might have it more abundantly. Would you come today and just do business with God? Would you just kneel across the front in these pews and just say, Lord, I want to walk in close fellowship with you. Tell God you're sorry for drifting and wandering. Be like the prodigal that says, I want to come back home. God will welcome you back home. He cleans his people up. He forgives us when we've done wrong. But I want to ask a third group of you to come. I ask a bunch of you at the start, if you know somebody, as far as you can tell, appears to not be a Christian, not walking with God, about half of you raised your hands. Would you do something for that man this morning? Would you come pray for him? While we're singing the invitation song, would you make your way up front and just kneel across the front? If you can't kneel, would you stand? If you can't stand, you can sit on these front pews. And would you just pray for that man and say, God, would you please move on Bill's heart today? Would you please move on Sam's heart today? Lord, would you please get a hold of Justin today? Maybe it's a son or a grandson. Could be a husband. Could be a father or a grandfather who's lost. Would you come today and pray for that one today? When you finish praying, you get up go right back to your seat, but would you come today with your confidence in God, praying that God would move on this man's life? We'll have the invitation right now, and as we sing, you please come as we sing. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757.
Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m., and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m., with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.